Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 12. And as uh, you are opening your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 12, I want to remind you where we left off last week. As king, Saul has united the kingdom of Israel. And what he has done is he has led a great victory over the enemies of Christ, which were the Ammonites. And one of the things that King Saul knew is that it was actually the Lord that brought this victory to them. Look at what it says in 1 Samuel eleven thirteen, That the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Basically what he's saying is that it was the Lord that brought the victory upon them. And because King Saul led this charge, we know that the only reason that God would have brought this victory through King Saul is because he submitted himself to the Spirit of the Lord. And we know that because of this, the people united under their new king. I want to talk briefly about the choosing and the anointing of King Saul. We know one thing about King Saul is that God chose Saul. And as God chose Saul, Samuel decided to anoint Saul with oil as the first king over Israel. And so Samuel allowed the Lord to then choose King Saul before the people. He wanted the people to know that, in fact, it was the Lord who chose King Saul. And after this, we know that as the lots were chosen and it fell on King Saul, we know that not everyone accepted King Saul as their king. And so what happens is that the Lord allows the enemy, Nahash the Ammonite, to come and attack the Israelites. And so, as they experience a victory over the Ammonites, what, we, what happens next is that the people now unite under King Saul. And so, in uniting under King Saul, we now have a coronation of King Saul. And basically what a coronation is, is that it's a public ceremony to crown the new king. So, they want to make sure that it's a public ceremony. They want to make sure that everyone comes to the ceremony. And so we have the coronation that has begun. And so the key speaker at the coronation is going to be Samuel. And so what Samuel does, he addresses the people. He gives a formal speech. And it is through this speech that we will see the lessons that we all can learn from the life of Samuel. I do believe that when we look at the men and women, the examples of these people in times past, we can say that we can learn from them. We can learn from the principles that they lived out. We can learn from the lessons that they had. And I want to share this with you, that when we examine the life of Samuel, these are life-changing principles for us. I know that many of us here, we want to be used by the Lord. And what Samuel teaches us today by the example of his life, as well as the exhortations, these are principles for us to chew on, as well as principles to live by. And 
we can all learn from these. We can incorporate these things because I do believe that God wants to raise leaders in our world today. He wants to raise great leaders in the world that we live in. Leaders that don't do what everyone else does. Remember this, leaders that don't do what everyone else does. Leaders that are faithful and obedient to the Lord and to His Word. When we look at leaders today, we cannot be like the world. And I'm talking here about Christian leaders. I'm talking about godly leadership. Leaders that subject themselves to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You and I are called to be different. And being different is a good thing in this world. If we're like everyone else, then who is going to follow us? You and I need to stand out. You and I need to be different. Being different than, than the world is what the Lord is calling us out to do. We are not to follow the world. We are not to do what the world says. You and I, as it states, are not of this world. You and I belong to another world, or as Jesus states, that we have another kingdom, as he says here in John 18:36. He says, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. You and I belong to this kingdom. You and I belong with Jesus. And our kingdom is not of this world. And I want to express a truth to all of us here. And it is a, a truth that we must acknowledge and you must understand. That being a leader in this world is very difficult. A leader for Christ. I'm going to tell you this. It will be lonely. It will be difficult. It will be hard. But we know that good things don't come easily. And I want to share this with you. It's okay. Understand this, that if you and I want to be a great leader for God, it is going to be lonely. It is going to be hard. It is going to be difficult because the world will not embrace you. And this is okay. Because, see, I would rather please God than please men. We must all purpose and choose to be leaders for God. And as we look at this in, in Galatians 1.10, God, uh, the, uh, Paul says there, he says, you know what? I do not want to be a pleaser of man. I want to be a bondservant of Christ. And if you want to learn some principles and lessons on leadership, Samuel will give these to us today. And these are going to be amazing lessons that we can all incorporate into our lives. And know this, that when you begin to walk in these things, you in fact will be a leader for God. And not just any leader, but you will be a great leader for God. Let's go ahead and read 1 Samuel chapter 12. And it begins by saying this. Now Samuel said to all Israel... Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me, and have made a king over you. And now here is the king, walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. 
Speaking of Saul, whose axe have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. And they said, He is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord, concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt, and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against him. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel, Jerubbabel, Beden, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw Nahash, king of the Ammonites, come against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord, God, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your father's. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain. That you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great. Which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die before we have added to all our sins the, de- the, to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet you do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you His people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider, great thi- for consider what great things He has done for you. 
But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. You know, as we look at this, right, this is the speech. This is the address. This is the key speaker at Saul's coronation. And as we examine this, we see the, the words from Samuel, right? And, and Samuel is addressing all of Israel. Imagine this. And the first thing that he tells them immediately He says this, you have requested a king. You know what? I heeded your voice in that you said to me, make a king over us. You know, as we look at this, right, we see that that Samuel immediately reminds him, you know what? You as a people wanted a king. And then secondly, he reminds the people, he tells them there in verse 2 that, that he is, that Saul walked before them. And think of it this way, right? Imagine this, that, that Saul walked before him. And you can visually see, or I can visually see the event happening, right? Because he says that he walked before you and I am old, gray-headed, gray-headed and look, my sons are with you. So what we see here is really, you know, as Samuel is there addressing everybody, he's saying, you know what, as As everybody was saying, hail the king, King Saul is walking by, King Saul sits down, Samuel goes up and he begins the speech. And he says, here is your king. And I want to share this with you. It it probably was very difficult for Samuel. Because see, they rejected Samuel as their judge. The people rejected Samuel as their judge. And now what he's doing is he is announcing to the people their new king, their civil leader. And Samuel was rejected as being their leader. But as the Lord reminds Samuel that they didn't reject Samuel, but they rejected the Lord. And as he tells them, you know what, I'm getting older. I have gray hair. And imagine this, and he's saying, and my sons are there before you. And we know one thing about his sons. As he introduces them, he is reminded of their failure. See, the sons did not live up to their calling. Think of it this way. God had a calling upon the sons of Samuel. Samuel appointed them as judges over Israel. The problem with Samuel's sons is that they were crooked, they were wicked, as it says in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 3, where it says that they did not walk with the Lord. And as he's addressing all of this, right, he's, he's talking about their king. And as he's talking about their king, he's reminded to speak of himself. He's reminded to reveal to them his life. He wants to examine himself, how he walked before them from his childhood. And I want to talk about the life of Samuel. Because see, Samuel was a gift from God. Samuel was actually prayed for. Samuel came to a woman that was barren. The Lord implanted Samuel into her womb. Her name was Hannah. And she prayed and asked the Lord for a male child. And what she promised the Lord that if she received a male child, that she would give him back to the Lord all the days of his life. 1 Samuel 1.10 And as she was with the child, nursing the child, 
Once a child was weaned, and he must have been around the age of three, she gives him to the Lord, and he goes to serve in the temple under the leadership and the teachings of Eli the high priest. And we know that as he was growing, as he was there with Eli, we know that the Lord spoke to Samuel. And we know that Samuel was thinking, or, or the Word of God tells us that Samuel was thinking that it was Eli that was calling out Samuel's name. And he goes to Eli, and he goes three times, and Eli tells him, you know what, it's not me that's calling you, but guess who's calling you? It is God who is calling you. And the, this is where we hear these famous words from Samuel, from Samuel first, from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4, Here I am. Here I am, Lord. And I want to share this with you. The voice of, the God, the voice of God was very rare at this time. But as people heard that God was speaking to Samuel, people knew that Samuel was being raised up as a judge, as a prophet, and as a priest of God. As we examine the life of Samuel, we get into chapter 7. And Samuel raises to the occasion as a leader of God. And he comes out with a powerful message and he tells all the Israelites, he says, you know what? It's time to return to the Lord. And it's time to return to the Lord with all of your hearts. He tells them, it's time to put away the false gods from among you and to serve the Lord only. only. And if you do this, then God will bring victory over your enemies. And in fact, God brought victory over the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3. And we know that this was under the leadership of Samuel. I want to share this with you about Samuel. Samuel served as the Lord's prophet and judge. And let me share this, that Samuel was actually a very great judge. He was probably the greatest judge of Israel, I want you to know this. And, and with this, I want us now to look and examine the life of Samuel. We're going to look at the character of Samuel and the lessons from Samuel when it comes to becoming a great leader of God. As we go to verse 3, it says this. His anointed, whose acts... I'm sorry. Verse 3 here begins by saying, Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before His anointed. Whose ox, whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. You know, we're talking about great leaders of God. And God is looking at us and asking every single one of us to become great leaders for God. 
Understand this. God is looking for great leaders that He can use. Wouldn't it be amazing if great leaders were birthed from this ministry? And let me share this with you. It can happen. But you and I must purpose to do things God's way. Are we up for this challenge? Are you and I up for the challenge of becoming great leaders of God? How is it that you and I can become great leaders? When we look at the life of Samuel, Samuel is an open, is an open book. His life was a life that was lived in a glass house. He lived openly so that everyone can see him. He was transparent in his life. He was an open book. And as he begins here in verse 3, he says, here I am. This is where he starts his life as he's beginning to share his life with his people. And I wonder if he did this deliberately. Because we know that the life of Samuel was changed when he told the Lord, here I am, Lord. When we look at what he states, as we read here, He says that, have I stolen? He goes on to say, have I cheated? He goes on to say, have I oppressed? He goes on to say, have I taken bribes? Have I done any of these things before any of you? And he said, the Lord is my witness, as well as King Saul. And in fact, have any of you seen me do any of these things? And they said, he is witness that we have not seen any of these things happening. I want to begin here talking about these lessons of leadership, these principles of leadership. We have choices to make, to walk, decisions to say, I do want to be a great leader of God. And if you do want to be a great leader of God then this is a decision that you must make. Remember, if we desire, and the word is if. This is a big word here because, see, if you desire to be a great leader of God, then you must purpose in your heart to walk in these principles. And the first one that I want to give you is to be a person of integrity. This is the first principle that I want to lay out. You and I must decide to be a person of integrity. Okay? What is it that integrity means? Integrity means to be honest, to walk in truth, to walk righteously, to have high moral principles. As Samuel was saying, all of you have seen my life, Have I cheated any one of you? Have I oppressed any one of you? Have I taken bribes from any one of you? Have I done any of these things before you? Let me share this. And let me ask this question to all of you. Can people say this about you? Can people say that you are a person of integrity? And we're talking both to man, to man and woman here. Are you a person of integrity? 
Can people say that you're honest? Can people say that you walk righteously? Can people say that you walk in truth? Maybe some of us aren't here yet. But let me remind you of one important truth. It is not how we start, but how we finish. See, we can begin today by making a purpose to change. You and I can easily change today. You and I can make a choice to say, I'm going to be different beginning today. I'm going to become a leader of God, just like Samuel, who had his pivotal change in his life when he said, Here I am, Lord. Today can be our pivotal change to say, Here I am, Lord. See, this is a choice that we all can make. God has not said, I've ordained you to be a great leader. God is saying, I want all of you to be great leaders. But do you purpose in your heart to become a great leader for God? You and I can begin today to do this. You and I can start today, and this is speaking to me also. We can commit today to walk in integrity, just like Samuel walked. Just like every great leader of God has walked. They made a choice. To be, they made a choice to, to walk in integrity. They made a choice to say, yes, Lord, I want to walk in this fashion. And one thing about God is that God is gracious enough to not look at any of our past, to not look at any of our sins, to not look at any of our failures. You know what God looks at? He looks at the present and He looks at your heart. And this is a grace of God that will say, if you make a choice today to become a leader for me, I will use you. If you decide to walk in these principles, then I will do great things in and through you. This is what's so amazing about God, and this is the grace of God. He doesn't start saying, well, you did this and this and this and this. He doesn't even look at that. When you repent and you say, you know what, I want change today, then God will do these things through you today. I want you to know that character matters. None of us can buy good character None of us can say, I have a million dollars and I want to buy character. Understand this, that character is a decision that you need to walk in. Good character is a, is a decision that you need to choose. And this is exactly what Samuel chose when he said, here I am, Lord. Beginning uh, as we read on in verse 6, it says this, Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which He did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. You and I can learn a great lesson here, which brings me to the, the next point. When we look at this, Samuel immediately starts pointing the people to the Lord. He tells them, you know what, stop I want you to do this. Stop looking at the men of God. 
I want you to know that as he was saying, you know what? You look at Moses. You look at Aaron. God raised them up. You look at Jacob. You look at all of these men, right? And it is God that raised them up. See, I want you to understand this is that we can many times look at people. And God is saying, I want you to look at one person. I want you to look at the people that surrender themselves to me. But to understand one thing is that I choose who I'm going to work through. I'm the one that chooses to release my power and my strength through people. See, Moses and Aaron were chosen by God. God raised them up to do good works. And it is God who does the work through these men. But they chose to be used by God. They chose to walk in certain principles. But God did the work. And this is why Samuel was letting them know when it comes to Moses and Aaron. Remember this, it is God that worked through them. He immediately reminds them that it is God who raised up Moses and Aaron. And God did great things through this man. But understand this, it is it is the key, it is key that we understand that the ingredient here is that every single one of these men became servants of God. And this is the second point that I want to talk about. You must choose to be a servant of God. As people who want to become great leaders, we must make a choice to become a servant of God. You and I can no longer wish to live for our will. We must make a choice to live for the will of God. Understand this, when it comes to every great leader of God, they decided to live for God. And their desires, their personal desires, their personal aspirations, everything that they wanted was left behind. Remember Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God and he finally gave in. When you look at Moses, Moses could have been the next Pharaoh. But yet he left it all to follow after God, to become a servant of God. He made a conscious decision to, lead, to live for God. See, when we look at every man that God has used, they gave up everything in their life to live for God. When you look at the great leaders like Abraham and his wife Sarah, when you look at Jacob and Joseph and Moses and even Rahab, when you look at David, when you look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, when you look at Peter and Paul, the list goes on. They decided to make themselves servants of God by giving up their own aspirations, by giving up their own ambitions, by giving up their own dreams to do the will of God. Are we willing to do this? God is calling each and every one of us to live for the will of God. See, when you look at this, right? When we think about this, these men that Samuel mentions, they surrendered themselves to the will of God. They became servants of God. It was no longer doing what they wanted to do, but now they were doing what God wanted them to do. And this is a key ingredient when you want to be great for God. 
You got to say, I am a servant of you, Lord. See, many times we say, yes, I am yours, Lord. But yet you don't want to do what he says. You still have your own aspirations. You still have your own ambitions. And you still want to live for those instead of living for the will of God. And know this, that when we live for the will of God, what's so amazing about this is that God says, as he says in his word, that everything will be added to you. Remember what he says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. This is such a powerful statement when we really begin to analyze what it means. See, when we seek the kingdom of God, we are now seeking his kingdom, not your kingdom. We are now seeking the will of God in our lives, not our will. And when we seek his righteousness in our lives to be men and women of integrity, everything else is added to you. See, when we seek to surrender ourselves to the will of God, to be servants of God, God will do great and powerful works in and through us. You know, I'm reading this book called Spurgeon on Leadership. And I've mentioned that to the leaders there at our leaders meeting. And there are such amazing nuggets on leadership. And one of the ones that he says here, that a Christian leader must be first led by God before he can lead others. Understand this. As a Christian leader, you must first be led by God before he can lead, before he can lead others. In other words, if you are not led by God, then you cannot lead others. God wants to grow and groom and develop great leaders in this dark world. Remember, we are living in the last time. And as we live in these last days, understand this, is that God desires to raise up great leaders for God. But we must be different. We can't live the way we've been living. See, God wants us to change. God wants you and I to say, you know what? I want to surrender my will to your will. I want to take up my cross daily and no longer live for what I wanted. I want to crucify my, my needs, my wants, and I want to live for you. See, as we look at these things, God tells us in His Word, as He shares with us that, I want to show myself strong through people who are loyal to me, 2 Chronicles 16.9. God wants to develop and grow strong leaders. See, the problem is, is that we get hooked up with this world. The world becomes a drug in our lives. We get so infatuated with this world, with the things of this world. And yet, we forget about the things of God. We come to church and we say, you know what, that was a great sermon. But yet we leave this place and we don't walk in the things that the Lord has shared with us. See, God wants us to hear the word to chew on the word, meditate on it, and to live it out. As we get into verse 9, he says this, And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of, king, of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned be because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals, and the asterisk, but now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. 
And the Lord sent Jerubbabel, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. Samuel reminds them how disobedient they were to him. How they forgot about him. How they served other gods. And because of their disobedience, he gave them into the hands of the enemy. Remember, when we have hardships, when we have the enemy coming at us, God allows these things because He's chastening us. He wants us to come back to Him. Many times we think, well, it's just life that brings these problems. Well, many times it's also the Lord that allows them to come to our lives because we're walking in disobedience. We're walking to satisfy our needs, our wants, our will versus the will of God. And so He says here, He tells them, He says, you know what? I brought Sisera, the commander of the army of King Jabin in Canaan. I gave you into his hands. I also gave you into the hands of the Philistines. I also gave you into the hand of Moab. And you know that there was war between the both of you. And guess what? They won. They defeated you. And when you were oppressed and afflicted, guess what you did? You cried out to God. And what did God do? God delivered you. And God used various men to bring deliverance into your lives. Who did He send? He sent Jerubbaal, who was actually Gideon. And this is in Judges 6.32 as he's referenced as Jerubbaal. And then He sent Bedan, where in the Septuagint it is Barak from Judges 4.6, which was the commander of the army under Deborah. And then He said He sent Jephthah from Judges 11. And then Samuel, Samuel mentions himself as sent by God to deliver them from the enemies. Understand this. Even though these men were the ones that were sent by God, it was not the men that delivered the people from the enemy. It was God that used these men who surrendered themselves to the will of God so that God can show His power through each and every one of these that were mentioned. Understand this, it is God that does it all. It is God the one that delivers. It is God the one that blesses. It is God the one that chastens. It is God the one that does it all. Verse 12 goes on to say, And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Samuel reminds the people that when they saw the Ammonites, remember this was last week, when they saw the Ammonites in the land, this is when they began to request a king. They went to Samuel and they told Samuel, Samuel, we want a king to judge us and to fight our battles. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 20. And the Lord was your, was your king, he says, but you still wanted a king. And verse 13 says, Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have decided. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Again, what Samuel is saying, remember, this is a coronation. This is his speech. This is a, the, the, the formal speech that he gives to address at King Saul's coronation. The Lord has set a king over you, he says. But understand this. It is God who has chosen this king. It is God who will work through this king. 
And it is God that defeated the Ammonites. And we know that Saul acknowledged this. He acknowledged it last week when he says that it is God that brought them the victory. Salvation has come from the Lord. That no matter what, even though you guys have a king, understand this. Even though there is a king, it is God that has appointed them. And it is God that will work through them. As we keep reading in verse 14, it goes on to say this. If you fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the King who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. See, What Samuel wants to do is, he wants to point all of the Israelites to the Lord. And as he says there, you know what? Fear the Lord. He goes on to say, you know what? Serve Him. He goes on to say that you are to obey Him. And as a reminder, this is what God is asking of us. See, It is God you follow. It is God that you fear. It is God that you serve. And it is God that you obey. Which brings me to the third point. When being a great leader, just like Samuel, you must be a person that points the people to Christ. You must be a person that points the people to Christ. See, you and I are not here to build our kingdom. You and I are here to build God's kingdom. Once you begin to take the glory away from God, you will disqualify yourself as a leader of God. See, we see time and time again men and women who want to take the glory for themselves. And I want you to understand this, is that God cannot use you. God cannot share His glory with anyone. We can easily become a wolf Like King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember when he was talking about the kingdoms that was under him. How the whole world was under him. And what did God do? God made him like a beast. God made him a wolf. He began to run in the countryside. Eating grass with hair all over his body. See, a true leader will always know who to point people to. And this is what Samuel was doing as we learn from Samuel. Samuel was saying, it is God who you fear. It is God who you serve. It is God who you obey. And if you or the king do not obey the Lord, it doesn't matter if the king was chosen by God. It doesn't matter if you are God's chosen people. It doesn't matter if God has chosen us. If we don't obey the Lord, then God will not use you. And God will bring chastening and hardship upon our lives. Verse 17 goes on to say, Is it is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and He will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain And that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. I want to share this with you. Samuel decides to say, you know what, I'm going to give you a sign. 
I want to give you a sign to show you that your hearts are evil. Your hearts are evil in rejecting God as your king. Because you, reje- you requested an earthly man to rule over you. What happens now is an amazing miracle of God. Samuel brings up a very important point so that you and I can know what's happening here. He says it is the wheat harvest. And I want you to know when the wheat harvest takes place. It takes place between May, between mid-May to mid-June. And we know that rain and thunder does not come during these dry seasons. And so what Samuel wants to do is he wants them to understand that God wasn't pleased with the request of an earthly queen, of an earthly king. So Samuel calls upon the Lord to send thunder and rain. And so what happens here is that the thunder and the rain come during the dry season. And immediately with this miracle, with this sign that happens, this supernatural event that the people begin to fear the Lord and Samuel. And they realize that their request for an earthly king wasn't good. Let's keep reading. Verse 19 goes on to say, And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord, your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. And then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you will go, then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver. For they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake. Because it has pleased the Lord to make you His people. What's happening here is all the people of Israel, as they see the thunder and the rain, and this is King Saul himself, they basically ask Samuel to intercede on their behalf. What happened is they realized their sin, and they're saying, we don't want to die because the thunder was, must have been so great, and the, and the rain must have come down so hard, that they're saying, you know what, we're going to die, and we don't want to die this way. Please, Samuel, intercede for us. Pray on our behalf to the Lord. And Samuel says, you know what? Do not fear. He basically tells them, don't be afraid. Yes, you did all this wickedness. Yes, you turned from the Lord. But today is a day to follow Him. Today is a day to serve Him. Today is a day to obey Him. Again, as we see this, this is the grace of God. That even though you sin, God will forgive if you come to Him in repentance, asking Him for forgiveness. See, today is a new day, a new day of salvation, a new day in the Lord. And for us, as we continue to sin, and when we sin, God is saying, today is a day to make things right. But when you repent, you turn from your sins, you don't continue to walk in them. Otherwise, it's not true repentance. And we know one thing, that we can't say, oh, the grace of God is going to cover all of my sins. This is what Paul says in Romans 6 verse 1. He says, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? If you are practicing sin and you desire to continue in sin, 
the grace of God will not cover your sin. God says, if you repent and you walk away from it today, then my grace will be sufficient. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And this is what God is sharing with us today. And we know that because of God's grace, it should move you to a place of no longer disappointing Him, but living a life to please Him. As we read on in verse 23, it goes on to say, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. As we read this, the first thing that stands out is that Samuel says that if I do not pray, then I am committing a sin. Did you know that you commit a sin when you don't pray for others? This is what Samuel is telling us. I want us to understand that we can commit a sin of prayerlessness. If you have not incorporated sin into your Christian walk, then this is a day that God is teaching you now and He's exhorting you now to begin to pray. Because if you are not praying, then you are committing sin. And this is not what I'm saying, but this is what the Lord is saying. I want to move on from this because I want, as we're talking about leadership, we are giving two examples or two additional points of godly leadership. If you want to be used greatly from the Lord, point number four is this. Is that you must be a person of prayer. Understand this. If you want to be used greatly by the Lord, you must incorporate prayer into your daily walk with Him. See, many people, they're wondering, why isn't God using me? You can ask Him, are you praying? And their answers many times will be, I am not praying. Then how do you expect God to use you? See, as I shared with you, when we look at some of the great men of faith, they incorporated prayer into their daily life. The men that God used, the men and women that God used were men and women that prayed. I want you to know this, that every great man and woman, woman of God was a man and a woman of prayer. And this is a key ingredient when it comes to becoming a great leader. Every single man, you can look at all the men beginning from Abraham all the way through the Bible. When, it, you, know, when you go through John and you go through James and you go through Paul and you go through all of these disciples... Every single one of them incorporated prayer into their daily walk with Christ. Even the men that were used that are not listed in the Bible, great men of faith. Understand this, great men of faith were men and women that prayed. Look at what Charles Spurgeon said on his success. The secret of his success was prayer. And God used him powerfully. When you look at Chuck Smith, did you know that Chuck Smith was a man of prayer? He would wake up daily and pray. When you look at Billy Graham, the man is a man of prayer. A man that does not pray is a man that God cannot use. Understand this, if you want to be used 
as a great man of God or woman of God, then you must be praying. When we look at Samuel, Samuel just tells us one thing here, that if I don't pray for you, then I'm, gonna, I'm sinning. I'm sinning against the Lord. But I want you to know one thing. Samuel was a man of prayer. Look at what it says in Psalm 99 verse 6 about Samuel. It says, Moses and Aaron were among his priests, and Samuel was among those who called upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. Imagine this. It is telling us that Samuel was a man that continuously called upon the Lord. And when he called upon the Lord, the Lord answered him. This is amazing. See, and this is the same with every man and woman that prays. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 15 verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable towards this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. He is talking here about the Jews. The Lord is saying, Even if, Sam, if, if Moses or Samuel stood before me, interceding on their behalf, showing us that Moses and Samuel were men that prayed. Understand that we are called to pray. The Bible tells us constantly to pray always, to, be, to, 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 to pray and, and to not cease from praying. You know what? There are various exhortations on praying, 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 praying. I want you to know that the secret of church growth is prayer. Prayer is, be, is a power behind the church. Did you know that Chuck Smith has commented early on that he had 160 men, intercessors, that would pray on Saturday night all the way through Sunday morning? Did you know that Charles Spurgeon says that the secret of, of the success of the church that he was pastoring was that while he was giving a sermon that people were praying in the basement. You and I must incorporate prayer into our walk. And not only into our walk, into our personal lives, but also in the church. On Monday nights we meet here and it is an awesome time of prayer. God is saying, I want to move greater in the city of La Puente. But I want my people to be praying. I want this to be a house of prayer. We have started intercessory prayer. Women's intercessory prayer has begun. And I know that this is going to do a mighty work in this church. We have started a prayer chain. We have men praying on Sunday mornings. We must continue to incorporate prayer. If we want and we have a heart for the city of La Puente, then we must have a heart to pray. We are not going to conquer this city unless you and I desire to incorporate prayer into this church. If we want to be leaders of God, we must be praying. The next point that comes from Samuel is in this same verse. This is the fifth lesson that we can learn on church leadership. Where he says there in verse 20. I'm sorry, in verse 23. He says there, I will teach you the good and the right way. Understand this, is that if you want to be a great leader for God, and I know that many of us want to do this, you and I must be teachers of the Word of God. 
We must be teachers in our homes, in our churches. We must be teachers with those that come in contact with us. Understand this, as a leader for God, we must teach what we know. I remember when I first came to the faith, I was a babe in Christ. I remember that the only thing that I would teach when I would meet others were the things that I learned, the things that I was taught. I didn't keep them to myself. My decision, and I chose to just teach the things that I knew. This is the starting point. But I want you to know this, it cannot stop here. You and I, if we want to be great leaders of God, we must be students of the Word of God. As it states in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. What Paul is trying to say here is that God's desire is that every single one of us should be teachers. If you want to be a great leader of God, you must purpose in your heart to be a teacher of the Word of God. You know, teaching the Word of God is an honor and a privilege. And we must teach it appropriately. We must teach it in context. We must teach it according to what God says, not what we want to say. And I want you to know this, that it's important that we as a people desire to be students of the Word of God. Discipleship is a vision of this church. As I teach you, I disciple you. The way I teach you is a way to disciple you. But not, not only do we stop here, we also have discipleship classes. The sad thing about the discipleship classes is that we only have at the most 10 to 12 students. In a church that has about 300 people. Understand this. We must continue to seek to be disciples of God. We must seek to be students of the word of God. Why is this? To be able to discern the truth. Not to be tossed like children by every wind of doctrine. As it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. We want you to take advantage of the discipleship classes that we have here. We have discipleship for men. You know what? Well, we had a great showing with the first go-around. There were like 15 and 14 went through it. In the second go-around, we only have six. We reduced that in half. Take advantage of these great things that we are offering. If you want to be a great leader of God, then come on Wednesday nights when we offer discipleship for men. Understand this, I, under, I, I believe that Sunday, mid-Sunday between services, maybe discipleship classes don't work for them. We are praying to bring those discipleship into a midweek service where we will constantly have discipleship going on during the week. We have leadership training. We are pouring into all of you so that you can become great leaders of God. You think that God has placed it upon my heart just to do it? No, He is desiring to grow great leaders from this ministry. His desire is to send out great leadership from this ministry. But yet we consume ourselves with the things of this world. We consume ourselves with making sure that we're okay here and there. 
But yet we're not taking advantage of God and what God wants for us in our lives. God desires to do great things through all of you. God desires to do great things through all of us. But we must learn to be teachers of the word. Just like Samuel was as he spoke here. And then the final point will come from these two verses. Verse 24 and 25. Where it says, only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things He has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Samuel tells him, he says, you know what? Fear the Lord, serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider all that He has done for you. Let's think about this. Fear and serve the Lord. Consider all that He has done for you. Imagine this. God has died. God has freed you. God has given you eternity. God has blessed you. God is protecting you. God is providing for you. God is dwelling with you. God will make you rulers in the millennial kingdom. God is doing all of these things for you. Are we going to fear Him and serve Him? How sad it is when we don't consider these things. How sad it is that there are many people that are coming to church that will just be here maybe once a month. Maybe people only come once every six months. Maybe people only come once every seven months. You know what? God's desire is that we would grow in Him. God's desire is that we would draw closer to Him. God says, I created the fellowship to stir you up. We go dry when we're not fellowshipping with God. Understand, we are here to serve Him. Samuel reminds us to fear Him. To come to Him with reverence. To live lives that are sold out for Him. God's desire is that you and I would be spirit-filled and led. I want to share this with you. This is the sixth point on leadership, on becoming a great leader of God. Is that you and I must be spirit-filled and led. How is it that we desire to be leaders for God if we aren't even led by His Spirit? And this is what Samuel was saying. Fear the Lord, serve the Lord, follow Him. Look at all the great things that He has done. When we look at this, God is so gracious that He has revealed Himself to all of us. And God is asking that, I just want to come in. I just want, I just want my Spirit to lead you, to, to guide you, and to overflow from you. See, when you and I submit to the Spirit of God, you and I are yielding. You and I are submitting. You and I are making a choice to say, yes, I'm going to be led by you, Lord. Look at what it says in Proverbs 8, verse 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. God says that, you know what, I gave you my Spirit. And I gave you my Spirit so that He can fall upon you. And that He can overflow from you. God will use anyone that submits themselves to the leadership of His Holy Spirit. When we submit ourselves to the will of God, when you submit yourself to the Spirit of God, submitting means that you are yielding. Submitting means that you are obeying. 
Whatever the Spirit of God is telling you to do, that's what you're going to do. And that is who God uses. When we yield ourselves, when we're sensitive to His voice, and believe me, we live in a world when there are so many voices coming at us. We have the voice of our enemy. We have the voices of people. We have the voices of loved ones. We have the voices of our friends. We have the voices of Facebook. We have the voices of Instagram. We have the voices on television. We have all of these voices that are speaking to us. But yet there is one still small voice that speaks louder than those voices. But yet we tune them out. And this is what the Lord is saying. I want to use you greatly, but you must listen to what I'm asking you to do. You must fear me. You must serve me. You must come to a place of hearing my voice and yielding to that voice. For us, God desires that we would be filled by the Spirit of God. That we would allow His Spirit to overflow from us. Overflowing from us means that people are going to be touched by the Spirit of God as we share with them. Overflowing from us says that people are going to look at you and they're going to say, Wow, that is a person that serves God. Look, they're not like they were before. That is a person that magnifies God. That is a reflection of God where they say, Man, you know what? I was convicted by the words that they said. Because see, it's not our words. It's not our actions. It is God working in and through us, overflowing from us. But He uses and decides to choose vessels that He can use. He desires to do this. And this is what He's asking from all of us. Are we up for the challenge? Do we want to be leaders of God? Do we want to walk in these lessons and these points of leadership? By being a person of integrity. By being a servant of God. By being a person who points people to Christ. By being a person of prayer. By being a teacher of the Word of God. Imagine this. These are the lessons that we, heard, that we learned from Samuel. These are not lessons that I made up. These are not principles that I said, you know what, I'm going to give to you. These are lessons that we learn from a man that is called the greatest judge of Israel. And if we can hang on to just a little bit of what this man was doing, God will also use us greatly as He used Samuel. God is not done with His people yet. As we live in these last days, God is not done with this world. God is looking for loyal hearts. God is looking for people that are submitting themselves to do His will. And when we submit to do His will, then God will meet us where we're at. And we can choose today to submit to this will. We can choose today to say, yes, today is a day of a new beginning. Today is a day that I will start brand new. That I will choose to be a leader of God. That I choose to incorporate these things into my daily walk. That I choose to do your will and not mine. We're going to close here. And what I'm going to give each and every one of us is the opportunity to start brand new today. As God has given us an exhortation, God has given us principles to live by. 
These are His principles. Are we going to start brand new in our walk with Him? Do we desire this more than anything else? Maybe we're lacking in some of these points. And He's saying today is a brand new day. Are we going to now walk with integrity? Are we going to now serve Him and only Him? Are we going to be pointing people to Christ, giving Him the glory? Are we going to be a person of prayer? Are we going to be a teacher of the Word of God? Are we going to walk in ways to lead us to this place so that God can use us in this dark world, in our families, in our job places, in this church? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that now. If you want to begin brand new, if you want God to use you powerfully, and you want to incorporate these, and you want prayer for these things, then I'm going to ask every single one of you to stand up, and I'm going to pray for you. Lord, you see all the men and women that are standing here, Lord. I know that it is your desire to raise up great leaders from this ministry. It is your desire to do great things through these people. It is your desire to reveal your power and your strength through each and every one of them. And every single one is standing now because they know that today is a new beginning. Today is a day to purpose in their hearts to incorporate these things into their daily walk with you. Today is a new beginning for each and every one of us. Lord, we can't do anything apart from You. Your Word tells us, and we know this to be a fact. We know this to be the truth. But through You, we can. We can do all things. And as we make a choice today, a day, a choice to say that today is a brand new day, today is a day that we're going to incorporate this new mindset, that we're going to begin to live in a manner that we didn't live before. Because your word has spoken. You have called your people and your people have responded. I pray that you would baptize each and every person that is here. I pray that you would fall afresh and fill everyone that is standing here today. I pray that as we are here gathered together, Lord, that, that your Holy Spirit would be gracious and and would move in and through us and all around us. And as you come upon us that people would know in fact that we are not the same. We aren't the same as we were yesterday. We're not the same as we were an hour ago. We're not the same as we were five minutes ago. We're not the same as we were three minutes ago. We are brand new. We are brand new because we have answered the calling. We are stepping up 
to the challenge. And we know that you will do it in and through us. All we have to do is to yield to you. When we are weak, may you be strong. When we are weak, when temptation comes before us, may we hear your voice. May we hear that still, small voice that speaks loud and clear, not muffled by all the other voices of this world, by the voices of our friends and our loved ones and the Internet and Facebook. May may we hear your voice and may we follow your voice. Lord, may you be merciful and gracious upon this ministry to be used for this city, to touch lives that are perishing in this city and around this city. But as you have shared with us in times past, this revival, this awakening must first start within us. And this is what we're doing now. We have purpose in our heart to begin this revival in us. Use us powerfully, Lord, for this city. Use us powerfully, Lord, for your kingdom. May we be great leaders of God for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we want to tell you that we love you, Lord. We want to tell you that we praise you. And you are the Lord that we serve. There is no other God besides you. And we yield to the true and the living God. And we surrender our lives today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.